Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with international worship leader, sensation Graham Kendrick. Graham has uh, come over to visit Australia from the UK. You may have heard songs that he's written before, like Servant King, Amazing Love, Shine Jesus Shine. It's a real blessing to have him on the show today. Welcome to History Makers. Thank you very much. Now, Graham, you're over in Australia for some conferences and, and some different things. What do you think of Australia? <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. I have to say that, don't I? I know, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, I've been several times before. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's quite American in some ways, you know, in, in the infrastructure. But I, I find the culture a little more English, mm-hmm. you know. So that's an interesting uh, combination. But I like the uh, openness and directness and funniness of, uh, of people. Okay, now, Graham, let's um, find out a little bit about uh, yourself. Uh, tell me, um, were you brought up in the church? Did you become a Christian early on uh, in life? How did it all happen for you? Well, um, the fact that my father um, was a Baptist pastor um, had a lot to do, <laughs> to do with it. Um, so I grew up in that environment. Um, so going to church was just what we did, you know, and the Bible stories and, uh, and so on. Uh, it was just there. Um, I do remember when I was about six or seven years old, um, there was a point where I actually uh, prayed a prayer of my own volition rather than just sort of joining with what's going on. Um, and my mother had been reading us a, a bedtime story, which in a very simple way explained um, faith in Christ, forgiveness of sins, and so on. And I remember her saying, you know, if you want, you know, do you want to invite Jesus into your life, and do you want to, you know, uh, offer your life to Him and have your sins forgiven and so on? I thought that sounded a pretty good idea. So um, I remember going off by myself and and kneeling down and and praying, um, and to my surprise, it's like something exploded inside my chest. I just I wasn't expecting anything. I hadn't been led to believe, you know, there'd be any experience at all, but. I just knew something really significant that had happened, you know. I don't think I said anything about that at the time because you don't, at that sort of age, you just don't have you know, necessarily the vocabulary for it. Um, but it was a, it stuck in my memory, and I just knew that God was real. Um, so obviously, as I went out, as I got older, um, your faith gets tested, particularly when you're a teenager, and you suddenly discover that other people don't believe all this stuff, you know, and they and they think they've got good reason why why I shouldn't believe it, you know. Um, I went to a big uh, school in in, in London uh, where the only other Christian I knew was my brother, um, and uh, we'd have a whole lot of discussions, um, which is actually was very good for me because uh, I had to learn to debate my faith and uh, and it was it was tested and I obviously was looking at other people's lives and saying okay so they don't they don't have the sort of values and and the the you know they're not living by the same faith what are their lives like you know um, and I, and all through that I think it actually strengthened and affirmed um, my um, my belief that this was actually real what was it like for you as a teenager? Were you one of those, you know, Jesus freaks at your school that, you know, told everyone you're a Christian? Or were you a bit shy at school about your faith? What, what, what was it like for you then? Uh, by nature, I was, I was quite shy at that age. So I wasn't, temperamentally, I wasn't going to be the one who's going to get up and preach to the class, you know. But um, 
I guess I've been brought up to um, uh, believe that it was important to make a stand. So, you know, when there were occasions when I had to sort of uh, nail my colours to the mast, you know, um, I, would, uh, I would do that. And, uh, and that was fine. Actually, people respected me uh, f- for it. Um, but I just, you know, I guess take an approach of, of, um, of uh, discussing with people uh, as and when. Uh, in my spare time, um, I formed a band uh, when I was in my teens. And uh, that was the express purpose of um, uh, communicating the Christian faith to our contemporaries. And that was the era when uh, church coffee bars were really you know, uh, uh, there was a whole phase of it. Uh, so the church would, you know, convert their hall to a sort of coffee bar scene and um, put tables around. You'd have a band and a, and a speaker, you know, and we'd be the band and uh, supposedly to attract everyone to come in off the streets who wouldn't normally go to church. And then the speaker would speak and we'd all sit around the tables, you know, discussing what had been uh, said. So that was my first um, opportunity for making music and in fact uh, uh, writing songs and what was the name of the band I think we went through several several names um, which were probably pretty corny and and, um, and predictable and then you discover that someone down the road has got the same same <laughs> name which happens with predictable corny names um, so we, we went through I think we ended up with a rather psychedelic one called the Whispers of Truth or something like that oh, and, nice and, yeah uh, uh, and we were a little bit kind of Pink Floyd influence, you know. Okay. Stuff, so. so tell me, um, how did you begin in worship ministry? Uh, it was a long time before I wrote any praise and worship songs. Um, I went to college to train um, as a teacher. And during that time, um, I think partly because the band uh, uh, split up because everyone went separate ways to college, as, as happens. And I took an interest in... Um, acoustic guitar and sort of singer-songwriter thing, you know, the uh, uh, narrative story songs, you know, songs which, which uh, took you on a little journey of the, of the imagination um, and began to, uh, you know, I, I suppose get known for those sort of songs and being a sort of solo acoustic you know, performer. Such that when I finished college, um, I was getting quite a few invitations and had quite a few opportunities and one or two tours and so on. Um, and uh, decided to, you know, take a gap year and see what happened. And, uh, you know, one gap year led to another and another. Uh, and I kind of had this sort of career as a, in, I suppose you call it, contemporary Christian music. Simultaneous to that, there was a whole new thing happening in, in many in, in many churches a kind of new wave um, of renewal um, Holy Spirit emphasis um, and I got caught up in all of that and part of the uh, what was happening there was that worship was was changing you know people were instead of being very formal um, as I was brought up in church you stand up and sing him and you sit down again this was a whole new thing where from you know an experience of of the Holy Spirit, uh, you would start to feel much more personal about, about worship, and, and worship began to be expressed much more directly to God. And there was a sense also that um, you, you would spend time in God's presence, um, which was kind of open-ended, you know, um, sometimes string songs together, uh, which were more uh, compl- contemplative, thoughtful, and within that environment, 
you would be kind of trying to sense God's presence, what God might be saying and doing. And it was a whole new thing. I mean, this was part of something which was actually sweeping around the world in, in a kind of grassroots sort of uh, way. So within that whole environment, there was I as a songwriter. And I remember complaining to a friend of mine who I was working with at the time on a, on a travelling uh, team um, that I loved what was happening in worship, but I thought these the songs that were coming through were, were just really weak and, you know, they a little bit twee and old-fashioned and so he kind of took me to task and said look Graham you're a songwriter if you think you can do better you write some better praise and worship songs so I thought okay fair enough you got me there so I began to consciously um, uh, try to write songs that, that you know a whole crowd of people could sing it took me quite a, an adjustment because you know when you're just writing for yourself you you can just do whatever range you're comfortable in and whatever vocabulary you personally want to express but when you're putting melodies and words into the mouths of a crowd of people it's a very different thing um, so it took me a while to adjust but I, but after a while I was writing uh, I guess I was one of very few people who was actually writing this new kind of song Fantastic, now tell me a little bit about how the songs come to you do you, you know, read the scriptures and think oh there's a song in that, I'll write a song because you've written over, over 300 worship songs uh, over the years Tell me how they come to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, there are random ideas, um, but I'm one of these people who likes to dig into a theme. Because, you know, some of my best-known songs are, have got more like the density of a hymn, you know, but then the style of a more modern song. So some of my best-known songs actually have come out of... Um, not quite commissions, but where there's been an event. In the 80s, there was um, uh, an, an event um, which is still, still running, actually, called Spring Harvest, and every year they have a, a theme. And that particular year, the theme was the Servant King, and that was a look at Jesus in the uh, sort of paradox of, of, of his... Uh, this is God, and yeah, he's washing his disciples' feet and, and, and so on. And I thought that was a very poetic phrase, you know, so... I um, you know, wrote a song around around that, um, and the, but that was my starting point, you know. Um, and I've written several songs like that. I think um, there was another year when the theme was the Book of Philippians. So I thought, okay, I'll just read through the Book of Philippians and see what floats my boat, if you like, see <laughs> what um, inspires me. And I came to the section where the Apostle Paul's looking at all his natural credentials and, and uh, his background, his education, everything he could be proud of. Um, and then he concludes, really, I consider that to be rubbish, garbage, compared to the surpassing greatness, he puts it, of knowing Jesus. That was a point where, you know, my heart started to rise, you know, and um, the, the, the chorus, knowing you, you know, started to come out, which... I know it's not quite so well-known in Australia, but um, it's very well-known in the UK and the States. And it's basically a paraphrase of, um, of uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, roughly, that sort of area. Um, but that was very much, you know, a, a, a stimulus coming from outside, um, sort of almost a commission. Other times, um, I might see a gap. I say, well, we need a song... Um, that you know covers this sort of theme, uh, so I'll dig into that until I find some inspiration. 
Shine Jesus Shine uh, is a song that has been sung, you know, as an anthem all over the world. How did that song come to you? Uh, in a very undramatic way, actually. Um, and uh, that perhaps seems to be a pattern with my life, that things start off in, in ordinariness, um, which, is, uh, which is absolutely fine. But um, in my church in, uh, in London at the time... Um, there was an emphasis in the teaching of of, of, the, of the the glory of God, the the, the holiness of God, that God is uh, uh, unapproachable except through Christ. Um, and I was pondering on these on these uh, things and some of the imagery of of, of light and darkness, and um, and began to write uh, basically three verses. Um, and uh, with those three verses, um, which are more or less um, with a bit of editing or whatever, the three verses of Shine Jesus Shine, I um, tried that out as a, as a song in itself um, uh, in one or two services. And it was kind of underwhelming, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was okay, uh, but it, it didn't really go anywhere, you know. Um, uh, it, and so I kind of put it away, as I often do, I thought, well... Hmm. Has it died? You know, I mean, a lot of songs, a lot of songs just die. You know, hmm. for every song I've published, then you know, maybe half a dozen have, have been buried. Um, some months later, I pulled it out again, and um, as as happens, that you get perspective, don't you? After a while, um, and I immediately saw that these were actually just verses, and it needed a chorus. Um, I, this is where you just don't know where it all comes from. But you know, within about half an hour, the chorus. And the phrase "Shine, Jesus, Shine," which in its day was actually very, very fresh um, way of expressing um, something, um, it, that chorus came together. Um, but even then, initially, the, the the tempo of the this new chorus and the old verse didn't quite seem to fit. It took a while before I found an arrangement, you know, that that, that sounded like this was actually one whole song. So it came together in in pieces, really. Although I can remember at the time feeling very, very stirred and inspired and moved, you know, as I, you know, made up that chorus, uh, I put it on an album with other songs that I was actually a lot more excited about, which no one would ever have heard of now. And I think it was only when I started to use this in one or two events that it just took off like a rocket and, and everybody was singing it and, you know, went went around the world. Mm. Now, Graham, there might be people listening right now that are thinking, you know, I don't really have much um, of a worship life with God. Some people think worship is just singing songs. Would you speak to those listeners? What are we called to do to worship? How how are we meant to live a lifestyle of worship? Uh, Give us your answer for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's said, and I I think I agree with it, there's there's only really one call to worship for uh, uh, any human being, and it's uh, you know, it's it's when we first put our faith in Christ and decide to you know be a disciple of Christ, and uh, that's you know put our trust in for forgiveness of sins and uh, and uh, really hand our lives over, and that really is where our worship begins. Uh, you may or may not be singing songs at the time, uh, but it's it's you know worship really is is offering our whole lives to to god and from then on we simply um 
uh, reaffirmed that live in, in, the, in the light of that. Uh, the musical side, and I do think that there's a lot of confusion about you know uh, songs being worship, and and as a worship leader, I've made a rule that I will never say when I get up with my guitar, let's worship. Because that implies that what we just did before I stood up was not worship, you know. Um, or what happens after we stop singing is not worship, you know. So um, there is, you know, uh, it's, it's a mistake to think it's that it's only when we're singing that we, we, we're worshiping. Um, so it, it has to come from our hearts. It's got to be a state of the heart um, that is then expressed in obedience to God and in faith uh, and in serving. God, and oh, there's, there's just so many um, scriptures that, that show us that uh, it's the whole of our lives offered up that really are our worship. Mm. But I would say also to the people that um, don't think of themselves maybe as, as worshippers that actually everybody worships something. Um, it's the one thing that you know anthropologists agree on in every culture is that uh, human beings will always worship something. Um, now, in a secular culture, we might not think of it as a god, but usually there is some kind of god there, you know, whether it's, it's, it's success or glamour or um, things that we want, material things. There's always something that our heart is after, that we have given ourselves to, and in many ways has become our master. Our careers can become our masters, you know, and they're hard taskmasters, you know. Um, so it's not that no, people don't worship, it's what we worship. And uh, the call that comes to us through Christ is that there is a God uh, who is a good God, who loves us, who's introduced himself through Jesus as Father. And so that we can find what we're on this planet for. You know, we're designed to worship God. We're not complete without him. Um, Our hearts are not at rest until we find rest in, in God. Worship is not just a religious type of thing. I think it's a fundamental human thing. Um, But we can only engage with this good God um, in the way that he is provided, which is through through Christ, the forgiveness of of our sins um, and reconciliation with God. Mm. Now, before we wrap up, if people would like to find out more, uh, is there a website that they can go to, Graham? Yes, um, grahamkendrick.co.uk. Um, there's lots of stuff on there. There's tracks to listen to, um, stuff on the latest albums um, and uh, on the touring and events that are, that are happening and downloads and that sort of stuff. Well, you certainly are a history maker and uh, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. You're very welcome. History Makers. Thank you so much for joining us today on History Makers. If you'd like to download this interview or search for other interviews, just go to historymakersradio.com. History Makers.